Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. I am very excited to tell you during today's episode about a resource that I have just launched. So get ready to hear all about that. If you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter, you saw this in what got sent out on July 14th. And if you're not on the list for the weekly e-newsletter, head to the show website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address so that you start receiving that. Joining me today on location in Nashville at the Summer NAM Show, my guest is a multi-state licensed mental health therapist. She's a coach, consultant, and an advocate who is the founder, CEO, and director of artist support for The Artist Minds, which provides awareness, education, and action to promote the well-being and longevity of the lives of music industry professionals. She has over 12 years of clinical experience and specialty training in trauma, grief, self-harm, eating disorders, mindfulness, codependency, anxiety, depression, and conflict resolution. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Dr. Danielle Archer. Thank you, Bruce. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. Thank you. Appreciate you making time to sit with me and talk today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for agreeing to sit and talk with me today, especially given that you even have a booth here at the Summer NAM Show. I'm honored that you take the time <laughs> away. And, and wow, thank you on a serious note for the important work that you're doing for the music community especially given that what you do is not just for artists. There's a statement on your website that says, quote, from the road crew to management to the artists, no one is immune to the pressures of creating, promoting, performing, and touring, end quote. Is it because it's show business that it would seem that people such as those that I mentioned might find themselves more vulnerable to mental health challenges? Um, absolutely. I believe that you know, the transient lifestyle of people who tour um, doesn't just affect the artist. I mean, of course, the artist is always usually the main draw because that's the name on the marquee. Um, but having worked um, behind the scenes in the music industry and seeing what it takes to set up a tour, um, you know, when um, a crew rolls in, you know, the road crew comes in at five o'clock in the morning, management comes in, everybody sets up, and then the artist comes in, you know, several hours later. Um, so it is usually a very long day. And, they, you know, they rinse and repeat and go to another show. And, and they, they have this lifestyle that takes them away from their families, from their friends. So it impacts people differently. But they're all exposed to the, the basic tenant of, hey, we're on the road, we're traveling, and we're outside of, you know, our, our comfort zone. And it may be, I'm here, and I'm supposed to be doing my job, and I'm supposed to have a smile on my face, but I've got an issue going on back home that is just absolutely weighing me down. Absolutely. You know, our family life doesn't change just because we're, we're on the road. And it doesn't matter what profession that we're in. People who travel for a living and do that, you know, people who are in the military, um, everybody has that. So they've got their home life and then they've got the people on the road. So for people at home, you know, things are still happening, taking place. There's kids, there's regular life happening. And then you've got your loved one who's out on the road. So there, there are those two pieces of it. And how is an artist or a, a road crew or a manager supposed to be able to get up and do their job if they're dealing with stuff at home and they don't have that, they don't have additional outside support? Yeah, and I'm thinking of kind of the top down. So you start with the artist and he or she is on stage and 
one of their lights is not where it's supposed to be, and it's because the lighting guy is just overwhelmed with something that's happening back home. And you can say that as a human being, but the artist knows, look, this is my livelihood. And Mm -hmm. you know what, Fred? This is your livelihood. And that light was not where it was supposed to be tonight. And as much as you might want to say, look, my kid is dealing with this or my spouse is dealing with that. All that artist knows is I need to put on the best possible show every night. And you forced me to miss my spot tonight. Yes, absolutely. I hope that everyone who's listening to this interview will have heard sort of a state-of-the-gear industry special that I did from here at the Summer NAM show. Some really interesting insights there from people in varying roles on that episode, mainly reflecting back on getting their business through the pandemic. And in a minute, I'm going to ask Dr. Archer to talk about that same topic. But first, I want to also encourage you to listen to another podcast. Since I actually drove here to Nashville for once instead of flying, I'm going to be listening to another episode of it when I head back down to Tampa. Understand that Obscure Ball is not your typical sports podcast. There are no hot takes or arguing or anything like that. Instead, each episode looks at a different event or figure in sports history that's obscure, hence the name Obscure Ball. From the mysterious death of Big Ed De La Hante to a missing plane carrying Soviet hockey players, Stuart Barefoot explores the strange, the zany, the mysterious, and sometimes the criminal elements from the world of sports. The latest episode, Bring in the Clowns, chronicles the history of the Indianapolis Clowns, arguably the most misunderstood team in baseball history. That episode, along with all previous episodes, are available on your podcast app of choice. The podcast title, again, is Obscure Ball, all one word. Listen, learn, and be entertained. Danielle, what about the pandemic and from a mental health Mm -hmm. standpoint, the tremendous negative impact it likely had on so many performers who suddenly couldn't go out and play live shows anywhere? I feel like we know they were out there, but we largely only heard about the performers that successfully pivoted and not as much about those who were scared by whether they'd be able to pay their bills. Yes, you know, and that's another interesting um, take as well because we had this this shift in the industry where people were all of a sudden coming off the road um, and adjusting to go, like, how do I do this being at home thing all of the time? And then now that they've been home for a year or longer um, with everybody going back on, getting gearing up to go back on the road right now, they've gotten used to being home and achieving, like, this work-life balance and reconnecting with family and, and daily life and activities and how they have to pivot again and go, okay, like, how do I take all of this and, like, go back on the road? And there are some people who are like, eh, you know, I've learned how to do, you know, podcasts and online performances and, and those kinds of things. So do I really want to go back on the road? Mm. Um, but I also think from, from the artists, especially bigger artists who have feel the pressure because they do have road crews and stage managers and a whole team of people who rely on them for, for their, you know, for their income and their livelihood as well. You know, there's a few um, organizations out there. There's one, um, I believe they're out of Michigan, but they're a non-for-profit. They're called the Roadie Clinic. And they're also, um, they focused, and they focused a lot during the pandemic on taking care of road crew um, because they are, you know, everybody's out of income. So it's not just the artist, but people who are, um, for lack of better terms, smaller on the, you know, on the, the hierarchy list. Um, you know, they don't have an additional means of income and some of them are doing other jobs and how do I work a different job? And then what if I get called back on the road and Mm -hmm. being able to, to have that mindset shift. And it's really difficult for everybody because it's like with the pandemic and what I've discovered is 
because there's no timeline. You know, when it first started, oh, two weeks, oh, a month, oh, a couple of months. Now we're a year and a half in, and it's like nobody knows how to plan because we don't know when it's, quote, unquote, going to be over. Yeah, and I think what I heard you saying in there, because on the surface, what I was kind of picturing was the artist who is really scared and saying, I don't know how I'm even going to pay my electric bill, Mm -hmm. pay my rent, my car payment. But I think you have opened my eyes to, yes, that's very much a reality, Bruce. And it seemed like we didn't really hear about those people because they were probably too, dare I say, embarrassed Mm -hmm. to make it public. But the other side of it is all of a sudden there's this potential for family conflict where that person is so stressed about the fact that I don't know when I can get back to work and I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Well, now all of a sudden maybe a husband and wife are fighting. Maybe the kids are seeing all this stress going on. So I didn't consider all of that impact on mental health beyond just, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for income now? Right. And it is, it's, it's just like any part, you know, any family who's got a head of the household who's working and then they're out of work for whatever reason, you know, the pressure does fall down on the family because it's not just what the individual is feeling personally as far as fear, as, you know, disappointment, as uncertainty about the future. But now like this also impacts my family and carrying those, those fears and those negative feelings over, you know, we can, and a lot of us are good at being positive and maintaining that for so long, but the pressures do come down on us and we, we do unleash it. And especially when we're all quarantined, like, where am I going to release this to? I can't go mm-hmm. to the gym. I can't go meet with friends. I can't do all of these things. So it, it reflects back on the family and you do, you are getting more instances of, of discord in the family. You know, sometimes it brings people closer and sometimes it, it drags them further apart because of that. Yeah, and you start to worry about things like domestic violence, and you watch these people go through it, and some of them put themselves out there to the extent where, because nowadays we have so many things like PayPal or Venmo or Mm -hmm. Cash App, they'll say, here's how you can continue to support me while I'm not able to go out and perform live, and you have to wonder, is that just kind of, okay, this is what everyone seems to be doing, or is it desperation and they're maybe even scared to put it out there for fear of this perception that, wow, look at John has to put out a public call for support financially, or Jane has mm-hmm. to put up this post saying that people can donate to her. Yes. You know, and, but I also think it, it's in what I've seen in some of the artists that I, you know, that I, that I follow on social media, um, some of them have, have taken it as an opportunity to expand themselves and, and explore other sides of themselves and put out other um, creative parts of themselves that they normally wouldn't do because their main focus is music, but they were able to explore in other things. They're able to be advocates. They're able to, to, to talk about other things. They're able to do partnerships and really expand their range. Um, because, and as you know, you know, people in the music industry, not everybody makes it big. Not everybody has this longevity. Not everybody's the Rolling Stones. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a lot of people who can't sustain it. And much like athletes who have a career that only lasts for so long, you know, there, there are artists who only last for so long and also preparing, okay, and seeing from the pandemic perspective, okay, well, I'm I'm not touring, but I can do these other things. So I also think it helps prepare them for the future for when they're not in a place where they can tour anymore or perhaps their their performance career runs short. Yeah, great perspective, great perspective. By the way, folks, do stay with us because Dr. Archer has a special offer for my listeners, which I will have her talk about in just a bit. But first, I want to talk about social media a bit. 
Instagram did something recently that I thought was interesting in that they started giving users the option to turn off seeing the number of likes mm -hmm. that a post gets. As a performer nowadays, there's a real temptation to compare yourself to other artists by looking at social media numbers and feeling inadequate because your posts don't have as many likes as theirs or you have less followers. I'm curious as to your thoughts on all this because it is a necessary evil for promoting yourself. You can't just say, oh, well, for the good of my mental health, I'm just not going to have an Instagram account or TikTok or whatever. Well, and, and that becomes a, a big thing as well because in this day and age where a lot of the music put, that we're putting out, I mean, I mean, we're from an age where you, you go to, you know, Tower Records or a record store and, you know, you'd buy a cassette, you'd buy a CD or you'd buy vinyl. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. So a lot of the promotion comes out. It's on, you know, it's videos that are being put out on YouTube. There's a lot of people doing TikTok videos, um, you know, putting out sound clips and video clips on, on Instagram. So you're right. It is a necessary evil in this day and age because everything is, is digital. So, being able to do that and, and seeing the likes and, and it is, I think it's a catch 22 because we want to see what's trending. We want to see, you know, okay, are they responding to this song? Are they, you know, do they like this video? Um, you know, are these people, if we announce that we're going to be going back on the road, like who's going to comment and say, yay, hooray. Like, I can't wait to see you back on tour. Yeah. Come to my town. Yeah. Come to my town. Um, but with that, it, it's a, a certain level of vulnerability as well, because while we have a certain persona that we put out and go oh well, I'm not gonna let any of this stuff bothers me but we're all human this stuff is gonna bother us you know we want to be liked we want to be validated especially in in an industry where we're putting out a product that encapsulates our our personality and it, and it, and it encompasses our life we we want to be able to have that so if people go oh well you know you suck or you know you just you know you should have stopped at the last album or whatever the case may be it's hard not to focus on that well i think i'm thinking right now more about someone trying to just promote to use the example that you gave hey y'all we're getting ready to build up our mm -hmm. live show calendar and they look and see that it has 27 likes and then they look at their contemporaries and they say wow, they put up about their upcoming shows and they got 77 likes mm -hmm. and they're not even that good. I mean, I don't know, what does that person even, and all of a sudden it turns from, you're supposed to be proud of the fact that you're getting back out on the road and you're promoting your live shows and now you've turned into criticizing other people just because essentially they have more likes on a post than you or mm -hmm. then you click even further and you say, how do they even have 19,300 followers I've been at this for so long, and I have 7,000 whatever, and all of a sudden it just turns into a big comparison game. Yes. Well, and I think that calls into into our self-confidence and our, and our abilities as well. Mm. You, know, am, you know, am I, you know, you can look at it from two perspectives of, you know, we can look at it from the mindset of, you know, you know, am I not as good as I thought I was? Am I not as popular? Um, you know, is my music not relevant anymore? Or on the flip side of it is, you know, yeah, I may have less likes and less, you know, less followers, but the people that follow me and like my posts are consistent and like those are my core people. I mean, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in the 80s. So, you know, going out and, you know, all this time later and seeing 80s bands that are still touring, which is for me is fantastic but you know you, you don't have as many people that fill up those shows but for me it's like I, I love it and I feel that from the performer's perspective it's like okay well we're not filling up you know arenas anymore we're not performing at Madison Square Garden but 
I know the people that are coming are the people that really want to be here and really love and appreciate our music. Yeah, and we are filling up the smaller size venues that we are performing to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. And for the listeners, I want to give you two episodes to go back and listen to of Now Hear This Entertainment that relate to some of the things that we've been talking about here. One of them is Mike Del Judas, who is the guitar player for Billy Joel. He was on my show during the pandemic and actually said that Billy was nice enough to be paying mm-hmm. those that were in his band and his crew, which he said he doesn't have to do that, but it shows you what kind of person he is. So I'll put a link on the show page for this episode so you can go back and listen to my interview with Mike. And then similarly, I'm also going to put a link to an episode from a month or so ago that I did with Blake Morgan. And Blake is very outspoken on issues like what we're talking about insofar as he said they just should do away altogether with showing you the number of likes on a social media post. They should do away with showing you how many plays a video has gotten on YouTube. They should do away with displaying the number of streams that a song has or has not gotten on Spotify because he likened it to going into an art gallery and he said if they told you this painting has been viewed the most and this painting has been viewed the second most, everybody would skip over the ones that people haven't really looked at and enjoyed and they would just automatically go to the ones that, well, everybody seems to like these, so I guess I should look at and appreciate these only. So I'll put a link to that too. It all ties into the stuff that that we've been talking about here. Danielle, in the intro I read off a whole bunch of your credentials, but I wasn't saying anything about you being a singer or a songwriter or playing one or more instruments. So since it doesn't seem as though you're a performer, why did you start your company, The Artist Minds? Yes, I am actually none of those things. You are correct. Um, I grew up in a house where um, music was... Was, was always at the forefront. So my parents in our home, we had, um, my dad had put like speakers all over the house. We had, you know, all home speakers. And then if you went outside in our back porch, there were speakers. So I grew up with music um, everywhere. And, you know, as I got older, my brother became a bass player and I got introduced, you know, he's four years older than me. So that's when I got introduced to, you know, the 80s hair bands. I know it's 2021, Motley Crue, still my favorite band. I don't care. Um, people can say whatever about that they want, but they're fantastic. Um, but, you know, so so for me, it was always that focus of, you know, music, musicians create so much. You know, w- when words fail us, music is what speaks for us. So when I work with teenagers especially, one of the exercises that I give them to um, help break the ice and kind of uh, and bring some, you know, some camaraderie in is I ask them to make a soundtrack of their life. Mm. And I tell them to pick a theme song. So they'll list out 10, 11 songs. And by looking at that and looking, you know, some of them I know, some of them I don't because I'm getting older. Um, but as I look up those songs and seeing what the lyrics say, you know, it really gives a lot of insight into what people are feeling and what people are wow. experiencing. So a few years ago, um, my husband's an attorney, and um, he had a client that he met, which became, um, you know, friendly with us. And what he does is he does tour catering. And he invited my husband to a show. um, And what we started doing was we started going to some of these shows and, and helping him out some. But that's where I first got the opportunity to see, you know, we would show up at the venue at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, we would serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, do the dressing wow. rooms. And we would see, you know, the road crew come in and the management come in and, and seeing how everything was set up and how everything was broken down and kind of what the process was behind, you know, 
behind just what a how show How everything entails. was setting up and how everything was broken down, including seeing the people yes. breaking down. Um, listeners, I'm pointing to my head, seeing them breaking down mentally. Yeah, because it is. It's, it's, it's seeing those pressures. Um, you know, they're traveling, you know, if, if they're running late from another venue, if there's traffic, if they're taking a tour bus, um, all these little nuances that they have to literally put aside to be able to go out and perform. So And so the wheels were turning in your head. The wheels you were said. turning in my head. Um, we've got another family member who's a music manager and just seeing what he's gone through, what he's experienced. Um, you know, there, there really was a need for it. And while people in the industry do experience a lot of the same issues that the everyday folks like us do, they have a different view on life because they are so creative, because they think with a different part of their brain than the rest of us, and because what their livelihood is affects them so differently than, than everybody else. Wow. Wow. Talk about some of the services that you provide and why you provide them. Um, the main thing that we do is if somebody calls or emails us, we, um, we talk to them and figure out, okay, hey, what's going on? You know, well, you know, what are the issues that you're experiencing? And then we kind of develop a, a plan of care, a plan of attack, and go, okay, based on what you're telling us, we think that you should do this, you need that. Um, if it's a service that we provide, we provide it. If not, uh, we refer out and partner, partner them with, an, with another professional. Um, because we're a non-for-profit, a lot of what we do is either free or it's reduced cost. Um, you know, we charge enough to, to keep the organization going, basically. Um, but being able to provide those services because not not everybody has insurance, not everybody has the money out of pocket to to, to pay for things, um, especially independent artists, people starting mm. out. But do you find, I'm thinking of, they say that you need to hear, like in the podcast world, it's very much said that, for someone to be a sponsor of a show, the listeners really have to hear that ad seven times before they're finally going to act on it and whatever the call to action is. Do you find that when people finally call you or they finally email you that it has been X period of time that they've been dealing with something because they're probably not going to wake up one day and say, boy, I'm really stressed about X, Y, Z. I should see if there's someone that can help me with this. They're probably going to let it go a while, my guess is, before mm -hmm. they finally say. And maybe it's the stigma of, oh, I can't let anybody know that I'm going to call a mental health professional. Yes. Um, you know, and I even found that being here, you know, being an exhibitor here at NAM, you know, there have been plenty of people that have come up and asked questions, um, you know, about what we do, about what our mission is. But there's also been a lot of people that have kind of walked by and kind of like side-eyed, you yeah. know, <laughs> side-eyed my booth and like... Or, or the people like, that do come up to your booth say, I'm asking this for a friend of mine. Well, you know, wink, they, wink. <laughs> they say, do I have to be crazy? No. <laughs> um, you know, there's really, in, in my, my view in doing this for as long as I have, there's really no definition of crazy. It's we're all struggling with something. And what is big for you is not big for me. What's big for me is not big for the next person. Um, but at the end of the day there's a commonality in it because we're all struggling for something. But how do people know when is the right time to call? They don't. You know, sometimes it'll say, you know, my, my friends say, you know, I'm struggling with this, but I don't really see it. You know, my friend said I should call or my, you know, my spouse says that, you know, if, if I don't get help, we're going to get separated or, you know, I'm having, you know, issues with my manager. And so something has happened in their life that's kind of, kind of been like a small catalyst 
but I take that, that opportunity for the small catalyst to look at the bigger picture because there's one thing that brings us to counseling, but there behind that there's a whole mm. other period, a whole other array of stuff that they're coming for. This is getting heavy. <laughs> <laughs> she has the benefit of seeing me and she's like, Bruce, why are you tearing up? Why is your whole demeanor changed? This is this is uh, heavy but important stuff. Yes. I alluded to this before, but talk about the availability of services for industry professionals because I think we're so inclined to just think about the artist, mm -hmm. but there are others that we talked about. So talk about the availability of services that you offer for industry professionals. So what we do is um, we offer coaching, which is basically, you know, if somebody comes in and has, and I hate to say it like this, but like kind of lower level stuff. So, you know, I'm having some anxiety, I'm having some depression, things that we can manage by teaching some coping skills, some different mechanisms that they can use to um, help them while they're on the road. Um, if they need a higher level of care, basically a, a therapist that they would they would benefit from for ongoing care. For sometimes it's you know more trauma related stuff. They're struggling with grief or other things. Um, you know, I have a network of professionals that I refer out to um, because I'm not licensed in all 50 states and I'm one human being. Um, you know, I did, I'm partnered up with other people, um, and because of the age of technology, um, a lot of things can be done via telehealth. You know, you know, secure HIPAA, HIPAA compliant methods. Um, we're not FaceTiming. You know, it's somewhere that, that you know that's secure um, and protects the confidentiality of not only their um, their identity. I mean, it's not anonymous counseling, but you know, you have that that protection. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, everybody is treated the same way. Um, but it's also the confidentiality of what you say to me stays with me. You know. So could say a roadie be in Minnesota, but he's under your care, could he call you from Minnesota and say, look, we got this show tonight, and insert situation here that he's dealing with? Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. So it's ongoing care. It's not... It's it's uh, it's ongoing care. Um, because you are one person, and mm -hmm. I mean, it almost sounds like you sort of have to be available slash on call 24-7. It's, it's not necessarily 24-7 because we're, we're not, we're not crisis, we're not crisis counselors. We're not, we're, we're, we're not structured that way. Um, you know, we do have availability. Um, you know, one of the things that I do provide to people is we do have, you know, all of the crisis hotline phone numbers for the different, okay. for the different, um, you know, suicide, um, alcohol, self-harm, eating disorders. Um, but to have the availability, you know, to shoot me a text message and be like, hey, Daniel, like, I'm struggling. Like, do you have a few minutes? Yeah, I do. Or, gotcha. you know, gotcha. being able to kind of triage that. Gotcha. Um, and then getting to know people, you kind of know like what their crisis level is and yeah, what it what yeah, it what it yeah. translates to. Yeah, to where if they're texting you at ten thirty at night, you can say, mm, uh, "This could this could wait till tomorrow morning," and you'll text them back and say, yes. in a polite, professional way, that of this course. could wait until tomorrow morning." Of course, gotcha. I'm joined today on location here in Nashville at the Summer Nam Show by multi-state licensed mental health therapist, coach, consultant, and advocate, Dr. Danielle Archer, who is the founder, CEO, and director of artist support for the Artist Minds. Visit her website at theartistminds.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. 
lots of information on her website and wow, tons of social media. It's almost a case of you name the platform, she's probably <laughs> on it. On theartistminds.com, you will see links for eight different social media platforms. So find the one or more that you enjoy and connect with her. Stay tuned because I'm going to have her reveal her offer for my listeners in just a minute. But first, I want to make sure you know about a brand new website that I have launched called interviewtipscourse.com. If you're a musician, singer, songwriter, recording artist, etc., or even if you're, say, an author, small business owner, actor, comedian, some line of work where you are getting interviewed on TV shows, radio shows, podcasts, etc., or think you should be getting interviewed, getting booked for one or more interviews is only half the work. In this course that I've launched, I'm giving you close to 30 tips to maximize the opportunities so you get results from being interviewed, whether that means more sales, more bookings, whatever the outcome is that you're hoping for. And I've even included a module that has more than 15 different sources that can be used to get leads to potentially get more guest bookings. It's all online, so you go at your own pace with the videos as well as corresponding handouts and convenient downloadable PDF documents. Go to interviewtipscourse.com to get started so that you can start benefiting more from being a guest on the shows you get booked on. Danielle, on that note, go ahead and tell the audience about a special offer that you have for them. Well, we have um, three offers, um, and of course, you choose one, um, and they're all of no charge. One is a um, 30-minute strategy session, which is basically learning how to prioritize your mental health and your wellness um, based on seven distinct areas of your life. So it's you know emotional health, mental health, your physical health, nutrition, sleep, um, self-care, those kinds of things. Um, so I look at it as trivial pursuit. So it's like little <laughs> trivial pursuit pieces um, make up the you know your total wellness. So it's how to address those areas and maintain those. Um, another one is a we have a thirty minute um, I like to call a pivot session. Basically, what we talked about earlier: how to transition from being home from COVID for a year and a half to going back out on the road how to maintain the balance that you achieved while you were home and how to keep that going and, and keep that um, momentum going while you're on the road. And then the other one is a 30-minute team-building session. The thing that I like about this is that it's not just for new artists um, coming into the industry but also existing artists, is how to choose a team of professionals, um, not just mental health, of course, but how to choose you know, an A&R person, how to choose a manager, how to choose, you know, your financial people that um, are in line with your goals and, and what your outlook on life is. So sometimes it's being able to, to identify those things for yourself and go, mm -hmm. okay, what are my long-term goals? What are my short-term goals? You know, what, am, what do I want my life to look like? And then by establishing that, going, okay, now how do I choose the professionals that I surround myself with that help promote that for so me. So I have two follow-up questions. Sure. One is, you mentioned before, oh, we don't do FaceTime. But so these 30-minute sessions that you're offering, are these strictly telephone or could someone do it via Skype or Zoom or whatever? Um, we can do them either by telephone or by Zoom because um, Zoom actually has a compliant platform as well. Wow. So wow. it can be by um, telephone or by Zoom. Okay. So it's really the comfort of the person that's contacting The second me. one is, I wonder if you offer the following service and... If you don't, launch it, and I'll only take, <laughs> what, like 10% of the first? No. Could somebody in the last package that you were describing, mm -hmm. could somebody say, well, you know, I'm looking for a booking agent, and mm -hmm. I've got a couple people that I'm talking to. 
is there such a thing as that artist and Danielle and the booking agent get on a call together so that you can say, you know, it's more kind of you doing an evaluation saying, you know what, Steve, you know what, Jane, I don't think that person's a good fit for you because I listened to the conversation and they, or is it, no, Bruce, I, <laughs> I don't get involved in... Um, what I try to do is I try to kind of vet people ahead of time so I know, okay, well, you know, say, for example, if you and I were speaking and I go, okay, you know, I know Bruce does this, this, and this, and I know what his personality is. So from talking with, with my client who comes through going, well, based on your personality, like, you'd fit really good with Bruce, you know, like, you guys, I think you guys would get along really well. So it's about knowing who my other people are ahead of time and, and being able to know those personalities and go, but you know what, listen, if, if that person doesn't work for you, let me know, and then we'll, we can find you somebody I else. I see, I see. Okay, okay. There, of course, are individuals who need to get counseling but don't have insurance or the funds mm -hmm. to pay. Talk about what you are doing to help raise money to assist those folks. So as a, as a non-for-profit, um, we are starting to put out um, some different merchandise. Right now we just have T-shirts, um, but a portion of the, the sales from the T-shirts, you know, outside, of course, the costs, um, will go to establishing, for lack of better terms, like a scholarship fund. So what my goal is is to hope to have, you know, say two to three months of, of money available per person to come in and be able to pay for counseling if they, if they need it, if, if they're unable to, to get other, other means of paying. So where in the process does somebody look at the scholarship potential? Is it before they ever even contact you? Is it, no, they really need to have a call with me first, an introductory call, and if it's a fit for both of us, then we also see, are they qualified for the scholarship or when does that come right. into play? So what would happen is when people call and kind of tell me what it is they're struggling with and as we're determining what, what their needs are and what kind of services that, that they would benefit from would be at that time. Um, okay. Because sometimes it's just about having a conversation and getting to know somebody in that context to, to see what it is that they really need. Because not everybody needs counseling. Um, you know, sometimes it's just some targeted, some, sometimes it's just some targeted stuff, some targeted coaching, some targeted education. So not everybody necessarily needs to have that counseling piece. But people that have um, some complex trauma, eating disorders, those kinds of things would benefit from, you know, consistent and longer term relationship via a therapist. I don't want this to come back to bite me or bite you, <laughs> but it sounds like you're saying if there's someone listening right now who is struggling and who needs a mental health professional, don't worry about if you can afford it or not. It's more important that you get the help. Contact you, yes. and then we'll see. Hopefully they can afford it. Hopefully they, they can, can afford it. Um, you know, But my thing, too, is I don't care if people don't get help from me as long as they get help. So if I can act as a conduit for someone to find them the right resources and to get them somewhere where, where they need to be, then that's what I want to do. Very nice. My, my focus is, is destigmatizing. I don't want people to have an overdose or commit suicide mm. or anything like that before action is taken. My goal is to prevent it from getting to that point, mm. whether wow. it's by me or by somebody wow. else. We all know someone who takes a day off from work or say they skip a recording session or they skip a rehearsal and they say, yeah, I had to take a mental health day. Mm -hmm. And they do this with some degree of frequency. <laughs> I don't mean this the way it sounds, but are those people just lazy or, or is it a case of, Bruce, those are red flags and should be taken seriously. Those people should be encouraged to seek help. Um, if, you know, we all, we all do need mental health days, absolutely. But if, if it's being tracked, that it's being done frequently, you know, a conversation may need to be had. Okay, like, what's going really going on here? Because sometimes it's just burnout. Sometimes people are just not happy with what they're doing. 
and they're taking a mental health day because like I can't like I don't have motivation I don't want to do this anymore but I'm so, not understanding you because if it's just burnout and they don't like what they're doing to me that doesn't sound like a mental health issue it just sounds like oh, you should probably start looking for a different job then um, it can and, be a mental, and, and please, please correct right, me if I'm wrong and it can be a mental health issue because if we're doing something that doesn't satisfy or fulfill us that can lead to depression it can lead to anxiety um, you know I live near Disney and I've got a lot of people who have gone back to work at Disney who have anxiety because not anymore because of the mass situation, but they would start getting anxiety and cry before work because they would have to go and enforce the mask rule. And people would yell at them and be mean to them and call them names. Um, so Tell the from, audience how big my eyes got when you started saying Yeah, wow. you know, it, it is. It, it, it's really sad. But So that's the same thing. If you're going into an environment where you're not... You're not, you're not happy and you're not feeling fulfilled, then that can, can lead to ang- anxiety, panic attacks, depression, those kinds of things. So they, are, so they are things to look at. Is there a chance, though, that there are just people who you go, oh, that's just their way of saying, like, I just don't feel like working today, and they're just lazy? And yeah. Oh, I just want to go to the beach. I mean, we're in, I mean, you and I live in Central Florida. I mean, you know, I just want yeah. to go to the beach. I want to go to the amusement park yeah. today. It doesn't mean it's a mental health thing. It just right. means that... You probably should up your work ethic a little bit. <laughs> right. But I always like to err on the side of caution because okay. you never because okay. you, you never know. And for me, it's if I take a phone call from somebody and I evaluate them like, eh, you know, like your, your kid, you know, you know, messing with the thermometer to make it look like they've got a fever. That does happen. But I would rather play it safe than sorry. <laughs> there is Mental Health Awareness Month, which was in May. Yes. There's confidential services such as what you offer and what we heard alluded to way back on episode 270 of the show during discussion about the Music Cares program under the Recording Academy umbrella. There are also national organizations who exist to combat mental health issues, and there are probably lots more that I'm not acknowledging. But the obvious theme here is that clearly mental health is a huge problem in the 21st century that seemingly isn't going away anytime soon. Correct. Um, In... Um, on my resource page on my website, um, I have listed a bunch of organizations, you know, a lot of 501c3, including Showmakers, who's here. They're doing a, a program on the second floor here. Um, but there are a bunch of different organizations that are focused on the uh, mental health and wellness in the music industry. We all virtually have, you know, the, the, the same mission and the same mindset. We all just have a bunch of different niches that, that we, we all don't cover. But um, there are a ton of organizations out there that are available. So what I tried to do was gather as many as the non-for-profits as I could and put them out there. So if there's another service that I can provide or if I'm not a good fit, there are these other organizations within the music industry that are available for people. I have heard of professionals, and this goes back to something that we talked about earlier, but mm-hmm. it fits in with this too. I've heard of professionals who will market themselves as a confidence coach. And you talked before about maybe you're looking at your social media numbers and it's more a sign of a lack of Mm self-confidence. Do you do confidence coaching? Um, Coaching in general, yes. So it just depends on what the issue is. And that's when I kind of differentiate between do you need counseling or do you need coaching? Because usually if it's like a targeted issue, like such as self-esteem or self-confidence, there is potential that you maybe just need some coaching in that area. But if there's some deeper rooted things, um, you know, that, that stem from childhood stuff or things that have happened in your recent past, you may benefit from more in-depth and longer term via, via a therapist. But would that still come under the artist's mind? Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. sir. Okay. Okay. I want to go back to social media. Yes. There have been a handful of guests on this show who have talked about bullying, and we know that cyberbullying is an issue. 
And I think of negative comments that people post, say, under a YouTube video or on an Instagram post, and from the category of one bad apple, don't spoil the whole bunch, I feel like the performers can get 499 positive comments in a music video on YouTube, but it's that one person who writes something mean that really leaves them tossing and turning at night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think what happens is it, it, plays, it does play to our self-esteem and our self-confidence. You know, people spend months, sometimes years, putting, you know, putting together a project. I mean, I mean, look how long it took, you know, think about your own journey and in, in, in building this podcast and how much time and effort and energy you put into it. And if somebody makes a bad comment, you're like, man, like, like I worked so hard on it. People don't realize how hard an artist is working on, you know, developing, you know, writing songs, putting together arrangements. Again, I'll go back to the Rolling Stones. Like, how after all these years, they're still putting out original music. Like, it's so much effort to, to put out content and remain relevant. And it's, and it's such, it's, it's, like our, it's like our child, you know? And for somebody to come and say, like, oh, this sucks or what, whatever negative comment that they have... I mean, it really just, it, it cuts into us because it's such a personal product to us. But are we conditioned just as human beings to gravitate towards that one negative comment? Or is it, no, there might be some underlying thing that's bringing out this past injury or this self-confidence issue? I think that as, as humans, we all kind of gravitate towards the negative comment. But the difference is, is how it impacts us. So if I look at a negative comment and I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, they're just you know, and you know the situation, oh, well, they're just unhappy or they're this or they're just lashing out, you know, I can, I can compartmentalize it. But if it stays with me, then that may be something that's a deeper issue. Okay. Okay. We've reached the end and everyone always loves when Hollywood gives them a happy ending. We've covered an awful <laughs> lot of heavy material here in this episode. How can we end on a happy note? What encouraging words can you leave the audience with? What can you say that will leave them with hope? That... In all of this, even though that we feel like our issues and what we're experiencing is is personal to us and nobody understands or that we're alone, we're, we're not alone. There are so many people who I come across that their stories are so similar, but it's about stepping out of our shame and stepping out of our fear and stepping out, out of being judged and, and making that phone call and asking for help. Hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. Hey, you know what? I got you. You know what? I struggle with it, too. I share my personal stories with people all the time to know, like, yeah, I'm a therapist. I don't have it all together. <laughs> I really don't. My therapist gets paid a lot of money um, to, keep me, to keep me sane. So we're, we're, all, we're all in the same boat. And it's, it's taking away, like, there, there's no stigma attached to it. There's no shame in asking for help. And I'd rather somebody ask for help in a confidential in a confidential setting and going, hey, you know what, I'm not really sure if this is a thing or not. And, and having that reassurance of, you know what, no, you're totally, like, this is cool, you're fine, this is normal. Or going, you know what, I see where you're struggling, I can, I can help you with that. Or I've got somebody to help you with that. We can get through this. Well, and I just thought of an example of myself. You could be someone who's a real, real good handyman around the house, and all of a sudden something that you personally worked on in your house is falling apart and you just can't seem to rectify it yourself. You're going to call a professional yeah. and you're going to say, I need you to come over and look at this. So there's someone out there that can help you solve a problem. And in this case, don't be 
weighed down by the stigma of, yeah, but Bruce, hold on, this is entirely different. This is mental health. I can't mm-hmm. let people know that I'm calling a counselor. Well, no one said you have to let people know. You just have to call Danielle and yeah. say, I need some help. And, and nobody and nobody, is going to, go, nobody is going to know. So it's the Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It's really been great talking to you. No, I appreciate I, you being on the show. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to have me here. Yeah, so. for sure. For sure. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Dr. Danielle Archer from The Artist Minds. She is their founder, CEO, and director of artist support. Visit the website at theartistminds.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Get in touch. It's all confidential. Although, do let her know that you heard her on Now Hear This Entertainment. Keep in mind the special offer that you heard her extend to this show's audience. There were three different options that she provided. Remember, too, that on theartistminds.com, there are logos, links to eight different social media platforms, so you can engage that way as well. Don't forget also about the new website that I have just launched at interviewtipscourse.com. Get on there to start into learning how to not only find more interview opportunities, but more importantly, how to maximize those so that you get a better return on the time you invest getting booked for and then actually being a guest on radio, TV, podcasts, and other interviews. There are close to 30 tips that I've presented in the course, along with corresponding documents you can download for handy reference, plus the module with more than 15 different sources to get leads to potentially get more interviews. Again, that's interviewtipscourse.com. Get started now. That will do it for episode 392. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment.